Episode 122 is brought to you by Bonjoro. Now, about an hour ago, a guy named Michael bought my online piano course, and I just opened up my Bonjoro app on my phone, and I'm going to be recording and sending one of these Bonjoros to Michael right now as I read this ad to you. Here we go. Hey, Michael, it's Jacques. I just wanted to personally welcome you to Piano in 21 Days. Thanks so much for signing up for the Ultimate Package earlier today. I hope everything is going well with that so far. Good luck and let me know if you need anything. So that was it. Nice, short, simple, sweet. Now Michael has this personalized video from the guy that made the online course. He just signed up for it. And I'm sure that he is going to be excited about receiving that from me and be extra motivated to, to get started and succeed with the course. If you want to get started with a free trial of Bonjoro and send these out to your students like I do, head to bonjoro.com slash Jacques. That's bonjoro.com slash J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. Regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way, and I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. And off we go. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. This is the Online Course Show. I am your host, Jacques Hopkins. And here with me is our co-host, David Crozy. Hey there. And we're excited to dive into all things online courses with you today. David Crozy, welcome to episode 122. Thank you. Man, this podcast is a lot of fun. You know, the typical format is, you know, we'll jump on together and and we'll just kind of talk about, you know, maybe our courses or what's been going on with our courses or maybe in our life lately. Then I'll introduce a guest that I interviewed, you know, previously, and then we'll come back on after the interview and, and talk about it a little bit. And I think this format, you know, I'm having a lot of fun with this format. We've been doing this format for a while. And so... I appreciate you joining me for another episode, and, and here we are on this this intro part of this podcast episode. Definitely. Well, what have you been working on over there? So one thing that I've been working on that I think's worth sharing with the audience is thinking about like list quality over list quantity, right? Everybody by now should know how important it is to grow, to build, grow, start an email list, and, and everybody's got a list of of a different size. And, and it can be like one of those vanity metrics, like, oh, I've got a list of 20,000. Oh, I have a list of 100,000. I've got 500,000 and so on. But, you know, quality is probably more important than than quantity. And so I don't often send out an email to my entire list, right? I, I normally like to maybe segment it a little more, maybe send it to part of my list this month, another part next month and so on. But I recently updated my my opt-in ebook, my Learn 36 Popular Songs in Five Days workbook, and I wanted to just go ahead and send that out to everybody. And before I did that, I looked and I had my list was 58,000 people. I was like, you know, 58,000 people don't open these. In fact, a lot of these people haven't opened an email from me in years. And I was looking for a good solution to, to do some list cleanup. And I wanted to say okay, if, if somebody hasn't opened an email or read an email or even visited my website in the past, let's say year, let me just let me just get rid of them. And so I found a really a really easy way to do that inside of Active Campaign, which is what I use for email autoresponding. And I've been posting a little bit about this in the, the free Facebook group, the online course community. So if you want some more details on how to do that, I've got some information in there on exactly how to do that. But I did that and it doesn't tell you how many people it's going to wipe out when you go to do it. So I kept refreshing and checking. It ended up wiping out 10,000 wow. people. So after that, my email list size was 48,000. But those 10,000 people weren't going to open any emails from me anyway. But so, so I think it's important to clean up your list. But even more importantly, I think it's important to, to maybe be more proactive about it and have an automated way to, to make sure that doesn't really happen. So not only did I do a li- list cleanup this week, but I also took some action to, to make sure I'm not gonna have to do a list cleanup again. And so what I have set up is, you know, I'll simplify it and just say basically, if somebody doesn't open an email, read an email, or visit my site within a six-month period, then they go through 
a little re-engagement campaign. And I send them three emails of the course of about a week and a half, which have very few links, pictures, anything like that designed to make sure it like gets in their inbox and in front of them. And if they don't interact with any of those and still don't visit my site, then they get automatically unsubscribed. And it's nice, simple, and hopefully continues to keep the quality of my list as high as possible. Have you found what you're most likely to be open? Like what's your highest rate open email subject? Do you know? No, I don't. I don't spend a lot of time looking at stats for open rates and click rates. Can you hear that? I could, yeah. Yeah, my daughter's going potty right outside my office and I wish my wife was more on top of things. Uh, Sorry. You got to keep this in the podcast. It's all good. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> I think so. I think people get my- a kick out of it. Well, you know, we'll we'll just keep pressing forward, even though Zoe is is going potty right outside the room. Yeah, I don't, I don't keep track of that, man, because there's there's so many there's so many stats that we could look at. There's mm-hmm. so many, and there's some that I choose to look at on a daily basis, and others I don't. And you know, if 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 I if there start if it starts being serious issues in my business and, and overall sales rates are are declining, then I have to get into the nitty gritty and start looking at stuff like that. But when things are going well and, and increasing, then I don't worry about the minutia like that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you not so much with my course business, but with my chiropractic business, I have a monthly email newsletter. The highest open rates I'll get are with the subject meet and somebody's name. People have this, they want to click in there and see somebody's title. And then the other one, um, I'll tell the story briefly, but I did one. It was the subject was Dr. Crozy's trouble with the police. And the story, my wife and I flew down to Cancun and we didn't want to stay in a resort. So we got a rental car. We went down to Playa del Carmen, down to Tulum, up to Puerto Morelos. And we stayed in Airbnbs, had no trouble the whole time. And so by the last day, we were driving back to the airport and I was like, man, I just feel totally safe. So I was wearing like a Frida Kahlo bright green, lime green trucker cap. I remember we were listening to the podcast Crime Town about corruption in, I don't know, I think Rhode Island or somewhere. Yeah, Providence, Rhode Island. But we looked as much like a tourist as possible. And we were just about a mile from the Cancun airport, went through this traffic traffic slowdown spot, and like a cop dropped in behind me. And so I get pulled over. They were real cops, but they basically came up, asked for my driver's license, and then they had me come back. So they separated me from my wife and they're like, okay, here's the deal. Like you went through the stop too fast. And so it's $245 fine. The way this is going to work is we're going to take your driver's license down to the Cancun police station. You go down there and pay the fine and you get your driver's license back. And I said, well, how far away is that? And they said, well, it's 45 minutes. Well, we had like two hours and 45 minutes before our flight. So, but I'm like, we don't have enough time. And they're like, well, the other option is that you would just pay us here. And so I was like, well, we only have $8 cash. And the guys are like, you don't have any more. And I was like, no, we're Americans. We don't like cash. But they were like, well, what about your wife? And I said, she doesn't have any either. And I was just standing there. I'm like, what next? Like, and I was starting to think, I'm like, all I need is my passport to get on the plane. I still have that. So I'm thinking like the next thing is just to smile and nod and be like, all right, I'll see you guys at the the police station. Anyways, they, the next thing they said was just like, well, this is your first time to Mexico. And I said, yes. And they said, all right, well, we're going to let you go with a warning. And off we went. But anyways, I told that story, but that subject, Dr. Crozy's trouble with the police got like 60% open rate. And I guess anybody that didn't open that like should be clean from my list because it's not even <laughs> landing in their inbox, right? So yeah, you could do something really super clickbaity like that. Yeah, that goes that goes along really well with, with what I was just talking about, the list quality. And that's that's a good way to weed people out. So I've actually heard Trey Llewellyn talk about how he uses the subject, why do you hate me in one of his emails as a way to just kind of like shock and awe. Like people are either going to open that and like engage with his content or they're then they're def- if they don't, then they're definitely not a, a, a good candidate to be on his list. So Overall, good stuff to think about. If people out there listening, you know, just want to give you guys a reminder to think about list quality over list quantity. So with that, let's get into the the conversation of the day with Cassinia 
and David Duffy, who is a husband and wife team who has an online dance course that is just wildly successful. So this was a really fun interview. Uh, We don't often have two people on the other end, and that's exactly what we had here. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and play the full conversation with Ksenia and David right now. Ksenia, David, welcome to the Online Course Show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Well, it's, it's a pleasure on this side, guys. I'm excited to, to dive into your story a little bit here. And I don't know how much of the podcast you've heard, but I don't often have two people that I'm interviewing on the other side. So I'm excited to, to hear a little bit about that, that dynamic. And, and so to start with, why, why don't you tell us, you know, why are there two of you? What, what is the breakdown between the two of you within your business? Well, first thing first, we are husband and wife. We are as well creative partners. Uh, David is a composer and a musician and I'm a dancer. So we are in some sense really a perfect Twix couple, a perfect duet. <laughs> and as well, we, we do create a lot, but we do business as well together. And David in our school, Secrets of Solo, is more responsible for finances, for marketing, for advertisement. And I'm more creative content and relationship with uh, our students. Okay, so so let's get into it. Secretsofsolo.com. What what's when did you guys decide to turn your talents into an online course? And t- tell me a little bit about that process. Well, actually, we are celebrating five years uh, anniversary of our school, and we decided to create our online school uh, in when we were together living in Cork in Ireland. And David can tell the story. Yeah, I mean, at the time, we we had just met, actually, as well, where we just kind of met five years ago, pretty much two days, February 9th, five years ago. And when I first met Ksenia, she was already very well known online. She had a lot of views. I met her, I was a bass player for a, a jazz festival, a dancing festival, and Ksenia was dancing at it. So we met through that. While there, like I was already told, there's this famous Russian dancer coming and, you know, we have to put on our best show and this kind of stuff. And anyway, we clicked very fast and we have a very romantic love story after that. But pretty quickly in a relationship, I I started to ask her about the viral videos and, and what she was doing with that, because I guess my mind is always a little bit entrepreneurial and I've always been that way. And I just kind of saw Ksenia had millions of views on videos, like lots of videos, just tons of views, but they weren't sending people anywhere. There was no nowhere to go. You just watched the video and that was it. And equally at the same time, what happened is that I was dancing Charleston 20s as a specific style of, uh, you know, flappers and prohibition era. So I kind of was famous for that specific style, but I was dancing and teaching it for a long time. So I was getting tired a little bit of that and I was moving on in my personal career. So I was telling to them, look, I don't want to teach Charleston anymore. I want to teach other things, but people are asking, but I don't want to do it, but I don't want to lose it. What shall I do? And he said, why don't you put it online? Why don't, why don't we preserve it in this way? And that way it'll be available for everyone forever. And uh, I said, wow, this sounds like a great idea. And everything else happened literally in the blink of an eye. We had a friend who was recording a video for the first time with this experience speaking the camera, not in my native language as well, uh, inventing material, not yet really knowing how to teach, just teaching to a camera like as if I would be teaching to a class. Boom, boom, boom. Another friend who did the website. You know what? After um, two months, we had a course ready. And uh, since five years, we're recording, we're releasing a new course every December. And in January, when we were like, no, sorry, it was Christmas time and we were at home receiving just subscriptions, 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 another, 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 another. We we were just uh, so shocked that we're sitting there preparing our Christmas dinner with the family and we're just getting tons of subscriptions and tons of people paying to learn Charles and Princess online. And I guess that's that's how it started. That sounds like a lot of fun. You know, a lot, most of the time when somebody launches their first online course, it's not like that. And, you know, probably even a lot of people listening to this podcast right now, maybe have launched and and it hasn't been like that. But it sounds like you could probably attribute a lot of those sales to the fact that you were already pretty well known before you launched an online course. Is that fair to say? I mean, how would you say that you went about marketing and, and telling people that this product existed when it first went live? We didn't really do any marketing at that time. I tell you this much. <laughs> I think I think there was like a, a post here and there on Facebook. Hi, guys, here's this thing online. But I did have a really, really like viral video 
running over the internet, flying over the internet for several years at that time. I mean, it was also, it was Facebook five years ago. So I guess Facebook was showing people more of your content at that time. You didn't need to pay to see as many, like, to get it to as many of your followers. And even back then, I'd say Ksenia already had 30,000 followers on Facebook or something. So quite a significant following at that point. So in a few Facebook posts to say, if you want to learn online from me, you know, that was already reaching a substantial number of people. And then word of mouth, we we might be bad for the chronology of when we started because we were really just like learning on our feet. Um, We had flyers at some point. I don't know when we introduced those. But the beginning, the first course, there was no flyers. There was no no MailChimp. There was nothing. It was just... We did the course, we put it online, we had this quite quite simple at that time business kind of card website with this one little you know section for the videos and it was a Facebook post and that was literally it. Yeah. After that, after the release, during a year we had some flyers, we were giving them out, but like our subscriptions came just from a Facebook post. Yeah. Hi, there's some things online, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it sounds like you had a pretty good following. I mean, 30,000 followers on Facebook is pretty good. You know, it wasn't just like putting a post out there when you have 800 friends that are just, you know, high school people or, or family. You actually had followers that were interested in your material, which is awesome. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Cassinio, do you think that you would have ever launched an online course to the world if you had never met David? Wow, that's a very difficult question. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, because David is really, he's such a creative mind. He always comes up with fantastic ideas. And actually, this was our second fantastic project with him. Uh, this was year two uh, when we were knowing each other, only during that year. The first project was, we did a video clip where David said, oh, listen, you have this choreography with four people. I'm like, yeah, but I can't perform it because I need the other three dancers. And he's like, well, why don't you clone yourself? On a green screen. I'm like, what? Yeah, sure. Just dance it all yourself. And that was the first project just to give you an escape of, uh, of how David thinks. He's super creative in that sense. So, yeah, maybe the answer, well, the answer is I don't know, really. <laughs> but he is a super valuable generator of fabulous ideas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at that time, it, w- it was the right, it, it was a kind of combination of things. Because I think I had just read the Tim Ferriss book before our work week around that period and I had just started actually using Scott's bass lessons myself because I'm a bass player so I just found that so there was kind of a few elements just played in where I was really in my head starting to think about passive income and how to create that as a composer as well I also get some passive income from royalties so I already kind of knew what that kind of felt like this idea of Mm. income coming even though you're not physically there working Sounds like it was just right, right time, right place, right person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very much so. And I was, I was blessed to like meet Ksenia at the time, who, as I said, was already so well established and so well respected already. Yeah. All right, guys. So I'm at secretsofsolo.com, just on the homepage. It says, ready to start making breakthroughs in your swing dancing. Learn to dance solo jazz and the Charleston with Ksenia's secrets to so- of solo online dance classes. Find out why over 1,500 dancers have joined us and start your swing dance lessons today. And then there's two calls to action. How it works, get started. I love the simplicity there. Now, when I click on how it works, a video pops up. That is one of the most well-produced videos promoting an online course I have ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me a little bit about the back, the backstory behind that video and how you get something that high high quality done, (laughs) video done. Thank you so much for such kind words. Actually, we filmed that in our home. <laughs> really? David was the one who really pushed for that video. Again, we got inspired by, well, you tell the story. Yeah, I mean, I, I, geez, I hope we don't get ourselves in trouble here. And maybe this is how everyone operates. We just, we just searched as many online schools as we could and said, okay, what are they doing? What are they doing? What are they doing? What's working for them? And um, yeah, Scott's bass lessons just has that when you get there, there's a how it works and it's just, he just walks you through the, the school and, and it was super effective for me as a user mm-hmm. and I'm always doing that and I'm always analyzing how I feel as a user. I sign up for so many online courses just to get the feeling of, of what that's like. And so, so that was there and that inspired us. And at the time, our Russian friend, Sergey, who's an amazing filmmaker, was here and we just asked him, would he come over and could we do it? And 
we had quite a clear vision that it was just an interview and that was it. I just, I just was here. I interviewed Ksenia and we just, I edited it actually afterwards. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, I was not so simple actually how to make the sounds because it was thousands of takes, you know, there were some things that, because we have always a little bit of a, of a battle, commercial versus artistic, you know what I mean? Because I'm not selling something external. We're not selling socks, you know. I'm selling uh, my classes and my face and my name. And it's all the time, all the time when we discuss like strategies of how it, how it is, how it goes. I always uh, try to say, listen, I don't want to be like, hey, guys, here it is. There we go, you know, buy this, buy that, <laughs> 9.99. So, um, you know, David would ask me, you know, say this, you know, I'd be like, no, I'm not saying that, you know, because against my <laughs> vision, my artistic integrities, you know. Even our website, the whole design, everything is a, is a so, sort of balance between commercial and artistic to not make it too pushy, not make it too sell, 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 buy, buy, buy. But still to have that, you know, while having the beautiful artistic image of myself, you know. And it took almost all day, to be honest. And there was tons of takes and tons of impossible words. And then David was actually, yeah, editing yeah. the video. But I mean, in terms of the quality, if, if you want to talk about that, again, I just had clear images from looking at open studio and looking master at all class. these master class. That was a big inspiration for us, actually master class in terms of I, I've taken master class and I have to say, I don't like the content too much. It's mm. like kind of essentially interviews, but what's incredible about master class is just everything looks like a movie. Like it's all made in LA and everything just looks so stunning, stunning. tasty pictures yeah, that yeah. you're just like, I want to, by that, even though you don't maybe even want the content, you just want to get the thing. Again, just from analyzing that, it's always these like lovely slow panning shots. And I just asked Sergey, how do we make that? Like, how do we make something like Masterclass, you know? And Depth of field. And yeah, we just, we just brought in like all these kind of moving sliders and we rented a load of equipment. We rented a proper lighting rig for that night. We rented, yeah, sliders and, and just proper gear to make that yeah we just invested it wasn't even crazy i think it was 300 euro or something to rent the oh, equipment yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the night so that we yeah. could make it like super super high end yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it makes me feel a little bit better that there was at least like a professional filmmaker involved and, and you guys aren't just naturally good at every single thing you, you try to do <laughs> well, I did <laughs> yeah well no that's it's fantastic i don't invite anybody listening to go to secretsofsolo.com and just click that how it works link because that video pops right up and it's it's incredibly well done so you, you guys were inspired by you know masterclass and other things to make that video i'm sure other people could watch your video and be inspired to do something similar now the other call to action right there is just get started and when i click on that it brings me to just the, the three different pricing plans you have and people can click start today it looks like now a lot of people you'll find myself included i have more of a funnel approach and you can't actually go to my website and buy my piano course right mm -hmm. so do you guys have any sort of funnel or is this it you get people to the site they click that they're on this page then they pick one of the three packages we tried the funnel thing. So we've tried a lot of things. We started out just you buy the course. It's not subscription. You literally just buy it outright for a lifetime. That was the first model, like a DVD. Essentially, that's how we started thinking about it, like buying a DVD. And obviously that felt limited because, well, that's it. You get your sale once and it just didn't allow the user to get more and more content that we wanted to keep making and, and all those things. So we moved to the subscription model after about two years. And then at some point I had designed a whole funnel where there was a free trial and you came in, but you could still always buy the free trial. There was never a point. And I, I've, I've went on your website as well. I saw how that operates it. And I've seen other websites that operate that way, that it's like get a free handbook and you're collecting the email so that you can later on plug them via the email. I don't know why it just seemed a little bit, slow and 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 certainly with the free trial we found we had a lot of people yeah we we kind of changed the 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 pricing point and the formula every year so during five years every year we had something changing and what we have currently is the simple fast access three different choices of payment or engagement or the depth 
and that's it. We found that this for us works so far the best. No free trial, but money guarantee, 30-day money guarantee. If people want to write you directly, what, why exactly it doesn't work for them. Yeah, and that's it. And some, during the year, we run sometimes critical discounts or special Oh, I do have one story about the funnel thing. We oh, yeah. did do that and it turned out to be a disaster, which is a big warning for anyone. We had exactly that system, which was get three free classes or get four free classes. It was a Facebook ad and it was the whole funnel like designed it with the web designer where it was like, they do that in order to get the four free classes. They must give their email address. Then they got a follow-up email, another follow-up. Then they got Facebook advertised through that. And he didn't set up the Facebook ads right or he didn't limit it in the right way. And he went on holidays for four days and we landed on a click farm in Mexico. And we spent 900 euro and we had 6,000 Mexicans give their email address. And none of them signed up. And it just was like a complete kind of didn't work. As a thing. Well, that, that probably put a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, since then, we've just realized how country-specific we need to be and just to when the ads are running to monitor them and, and also not to just open up the daily spend to whatever Facebook can find and, and, and really tighten that up. <laughs> so actually, maybe that's why, that might have been one of the reasons we didn't follow that, that model because we got burnt that time. But maybe that was a nice model, which was just, here's four free classes, give your email address to get the four free classes and then we'll we'll follow up with marketing after that yeah well what you're doing now obviously seems to be working now speaking of, of pricing and you mentioned you know country specific i noticed your pricing is in euros and i know you guys you guys are in europe currently uh, even when i talk to people who sell online courses outside of the united states i find a lot of times they still charge in us dollars why do you guys charge in euros we probably should have an answer to that. We don't really have an answer to that. We just charge in Europe because we prefer Europe. There are many people that because we have majority of our customers are actually from US and Russia. <laughs> so uh, some of them want dollars, some of them want rubles. <laughs> and we go, well, there you go, you have Europe. <laughs> well, a third third seller is... Uh, is I mean, we never tested it. it. It could be something to even talk to you about. I don't know... What, is there a, are Americans scared away by the euro symbol or do they need to convert in their heads? Maybe over five years we had one person writing to us saying, why don't you guys sell, <laughs> why, why don't you do it in dollars? But that, that was it literally. Usually people don't. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Well, obviously, my pricing is U.S. dollars, but I'm in the United States, and, and I certainly get messages from people outside the United States and mm -hmm. say, hey, they're, they're not really asking me why isn't it in my currency, but they'll, they'll often ask, what is the price in my currency? Okay. You know, what What is the price in pounds? What is the price in euros or Canadian dollars or Australian dollars? And so I, I certainly couldn't tell you that pricing your course in US dollars would be the right call. It's obviously working for you. I was just curious, maybe maybe 95% of your customers were used the euro already, yeah. but apparently that's not the case. So it could be something to consider and just maybe split test at some point. Because we have a lot of Asians as well. That's quite a large kind of thing. And I mean, again, well, I don't know. Different currencies, yeah. But I don't know, do they feel more comfortable with dollar? Or do they feel more comfortable with euro? Asians in general, I'm not sure. Now, going back to that homepage, uh, I mentioned when I was reading the text, it says, find out why over 15,000, or excuse me, 1,500 dancers have joined us. And then I see all the way at the bottom of the homepage, it says 1,926 active members. That's a little thing we, need, we didn't correct. The, the at the bottom number is the correct number. <laughs> well, I mean... Put it into the to-do list. <laughs> from, well, no, no. From a, from a marketing perspective, that was just a nice figure. Why over 1,500? Like over 1,500 being... A, a kind of 1500 above when that reaches 2000 we'll probably say why over 2000 you know well i guess my question is is that how many people have signed up all time or is that because you you've you look it looks like you kind of charge a year a yearly price so is that the literally the active current active paying members no that's everyone that has ever signed up yeah okay so so, so about 2000 students have signed up for your course exactly yeah Guys, let's talk about let's talk about some of the tools you're using next. And we'll start with what what are you using to host your course currently? We use LearnDash is the the system. Yeah. Why why LearnDash? So LearnDash, my understanding of it, it's uh, it's more of a WordPress plugin. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And our website's WordPress. 
Right, exactly. So a lot of people these days are using like a Teachable, Thinkific, Kajabi, ClickFunnels. Why did you guys go with the WordPress plugin LearnDash? Well, to be honest, we didn't really choose between our, we, we were not choosing our plugins because we have a web, web designer who is with us since five years, since the beginning of this course. Andrew Miller and Andrew was the person who was, we, we were dele- we delegated that thing to Andrew and he was responsible for that completely and entirely. And we went for LearnDash for the last two years with his proposal. Yeah, I think, I think we're very happy with it. Yeah. yeah, I think he sent us one or two systems and we just played with them and, and that one was nice. It just felt nice to use. It, it seemed clear as a user and it had a lot of the features we wanted to put in, like mm. things like track your progress and kind of markers and certificates when you yeah. pass certain ranges and, and, and that kind of thing. I guess Andrew is always working with us in the sense we, we sent what we want to have in a, in the program or on the website. What are the important features? What the goals we want to have? We kind of give him this whole analytical request then he does the job of choosing and presents like, what do you guys think about this? And we, we try it and say, okay, I want to. What, what other tools are, are you guys using to, to execute the things in your online course business that you like? In terms of marketing or in terms we of... We use Jump Circle. We use it with a forum. Uh, it's called mm-hmm. Jump Circle. So we installed the forum. It's, I don't know, it's a black plugin as well. Right? It's a plugin as well, yeah. We installed this plugin maybe three years ago. We tried, but it started working only maybe two years ago, really, because it's very difficult to run a forum. It's an additional thing only for members who are using the course, so you can access it. So when you buy a course, when you subscribe, you go to members lounge area and from there you can get into gem circle. The idea of the name comes from the dense circles like ciphers when you're jamming. (laughs) And what do people do there? Well, first of all, they present themselves there. So it's more like this is where my job starts. They introduce themselves. Like when once they subscribe, they get as well an auto email Mailchimp. But our all our auto Mailchimp's are designed very <laughs> beautifully. That some they are super personal. <laughs> the texts where we tell people, so yeah, you can hop into Jam Circle, check out what's going on, how to use courses. I explain there all about how to use every course. What's the best way to practice? Blah blah blah. All the material that they need to actually start practicing and start dancing some other helpful stuff about music and books and you know which shoes to wear where to practice we have this section our jam circle where people just introduce themselves they say where are they from who they are when what are their interests what are they looking for in this course we have a super important feature there that's available for our yearly subscribers which is feedback monthly feedback thing so people can submit once a month their videos of their practice, anything they want to get a feedback on. And then I record once a month a video feedback for them about what, they, what they've what they done. Yeah. yeah. And then marketing tools. I mean, we, we just use Facebook, Instagram, Google Ads. That's it. And then other tools, would you call them tools like YouTube, obviously? YouTube is our big, big tool, advertising that, tool. That yeah. sends a lot of people away. We use Bitly to track mm-hmm. clicks on links and, and, and mm-hmm. where where that traffic is coming from. We're hosting all our videos on Vimeo, so Vimeo is connected to, to everywhere. Now, when you say YouTube is big, you're talking about organic or are you actually doing YouTube ads? Organic is, is the first thing. Do we do YouTube ads? Yeah, we've just started doing them this, this year as well. But organically, when we put that, for example, from our first course for Jazz and Twenties, when we put one or two free classes, they just yeah, I think one has six hundred and fifty thousand views. Yeah, they just grew, grew a yeah. lot by themselves. We didn't do anything with that. I guess it was just one of the signature moves of mine at the time, and <laughs> it, it's it's a very viral, funny move. It's called cowtails. So people just <laughs> go crazy about that move. <laughs> yeah, and so underneath that, you just have a link. If you want to learn more, click here. And yeah. it brings you to the website. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, very good. And I'm glad you mentioned Jam Circle because I wanted to ask you about that. I've never heard of it. I saw it on your website, just just in like your pricing table yeah. in terms of what's included. So that's yeah. very interesting that it's kind of a tool. People can inter- interact with each other, introduce themselves, have videos, getting feedback from you. I mean, that's that's all appealing to me as somebody who teaches people piano, I like to be doing similar things. Do you think that's a tool that that people in, in other niches as well, or is it is it more specific to, to music-related things? 
Well, it's got the word jam in it. Jam. Well, this, this is just name we invented. I mean, it, it, you can invent any other name for this platform. But we, um, at a certain time, got a, got very interested in Seth Gordon and his whole ideas of uh, marketing. And his whole idea is basically create your community and really interact with people with your with your little community. And that was the reason for us creating actually Jam Circle Forum. And it was, I mean, it, it was really us trying to create the best learning user experience as well. Like at some point, we really, like in the first years, it was just how do we make this thing and sell this DVD? Mm -hmm. And then at some point, we really reflected, like, what are we trying to make here? What do we want to do for people? What would be the nicest way to learn dance online? And what's missing from what we currently have? And certainly what was missing was people being able to interact with each other and certainly people being able to... Yeah, if you're learning on your own, sometimes you just don't know the mistakes you're making. You don't know if it's if this is the way it should look, even if you're looking in a mirror. So to be able to say, hey, how does this look to other people? Or how does this look to Ksenia? Can you give me some help? Mm. For dance is, is very important. And I guess for music, it's massively important as well, because people sometimes aren't their own best critics. They can't hear the mistakes they're making, you know? Right, hear or see. Do you, yeah. know, do you know the other thought was at some point we analyzed that a lot of people subscribe, but then a, a lot of people just stop using the courses. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And for, for me, I, straight, I said straight away, whoa, whoa this, this is not good at all. I mean, yes, we're earning money, but the idea of someone saying, yeah, I signed up for this thing, but you know what? I didn't really see the progress at all after it. I don't think if it helped me. For me, it was, uh, it was a very important moment that if people sign up, I want them to actually improve, to actually, you know, achieve something. And to do that, I realized I need to encourage them somehow to actually do the courses, don't stop them, practice, you know, continue, rehearse, uh, film videos. Um, and for this, we thought, okay, we just need to completely be in contact with the people. How do we do it? MailChimp and Gen Circle. We, we thought this would be the best idea to people encourage No, that's very true. It's not unlike buying books, right? Most most books that are bought, like they're never actually open. People just buy, buy books and, and have good intentions and then never actually read it. You could say the same thing about online courses. Now with the higher price point, typically of an online course, they have a little bit higher kind of start and finish rate than a book. But certainly in most cases, most people will not will not finish the course. And so that's great that you that you see that and you're trying to do everything you possibly can to motivate your students to start and and, and proceed and finish the course as well. Mm -hmm. Really just a couple more questions for you. This next one, I'd like to hear both of your perspectives individually on. And, and for this question, I want you to kind of put yourself back about five years ago when you were just getting started. And I want you to give give some advice to somebody that was in that position where, you, where you've got this expertise about something, you know, you have something you can share with the world, but you don't really know where to go mm -hmm. in terms of turning that knowledge and expertise into an online course. Mm -hmm. What what advice do you have for the beginners out there? Let me start with you, Ksenia. Well, uh, first thing I say, don't be afraid to experiment. Don't be afraid to, to start, you know, because we experimented from day one. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know how it works. We didn't know nothing. We just filmed it and we put it online. And since then, five, during five years, every day we were figuring things out. And to be honest, for the first two years, we didn't really do anything. So once you record your knowledge and content knowledge is probably for me the most important part of the online course, then comes the marketing. But if the content and knowledge that you provide is not uh, you know, strong or powerful enough. Uh, to me, that's an important part. So, yeah, believe in your content. Make sure that the content that you're putting out there is, is you believe in it, it's worth for you. Once you put it out, it's out there and you have loads of time to figure out marketing, mail teams, you know, uh, the ins and outs of all this process. But as well, the second advice I would say after don't be afraid to experiment, do analytical work. Just Google all the websites that are out there for maybe your competitors, the people that do like exactly the same, like if swing dances or uh, guitar lessons or whatever it is. And just like we did an Excel sheet and do an Excel sheet, see who's charging what, for what, proposes what, writes what, blah, 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 blah. Now, when you see that perspective of the field, the ocean where you're in currently, you can just start uh, the decisions can be a little bit easier. Yeah, I, I agree. Like that was, 
it, again, definitely your advice is great. Just get started. And I mean, I'm, we're, we're, we both go through this all the time as creatives in our own field. But like, you just, once you start, then you'll evolve. But if you wait to have the perfect product to put online, it will never be perfect, I don't think. It just won't launch perfectly. I don't think it matters that it launches perfectly. It just matters that it starts and then you'll refine and you'll refine and you'll refine. And maybe it will take two or three or four years, I don't know, till you get the, the product you actually wanted. But if you, if you just keep refining all the time before you start, maybe that won't happen. From my perspective, again, something you touched on early enough on is just pictures and video, you know, like that's, it's so important just for anyone, quality, you know, that's the only thing you can feel. I think Ksenia's right 100% that the content has to have that quality, but people may not even bother to see if they care about the content, if the images in the video aren't high enough quality. And it's, it's easy now, you know, everyone has cameras are affordable pictures are affordable photographers are affordable videographers are they're everywhere i think your stuff just needs to be you know 4k or hd and just <laughs> everything needs to be like amazing now because people expect that because every youtuber is doing that every person is doing that now and so to even enter the market i think that's a good place to to begin you know so get started actually do something don't be scared high quality in everything you do and model your set, model your stuff after things that are working on that last one. Have you ever heard the term funnel hacking? <laughs> no, that, that's a phrase used in the uh, click funnels community, which is what I use to host my course. You guys use learn dash. I use click funnels and they call that funnel hacking. And some people are like, is, is that hacking? Like, is that ethical? What it, no, it's like looking to see what else is out there and modeling your stuff, your marketing, your price, whatever yeah, yeah, like yeah. you're talking about after that. So uh-huh. you guys are, you guys are funnel hackers and you didn't even know. <laughs> Ksenia, David, secretsofsolo.com. Thanks so much for joining me here today. All right, that's a wrap on the conversation with Ksenia and David Duffy. David Crozy, welcome back. Thank you. This was a fun one. This was a lot of fun. It's been a little bit since we've had like me having two people on the other end. I've had like husband and wives on before, and this was a really, really cool one. I just love the success stories where you've got where you've got the husband and wife duo, and one of them is like the 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 person with the craft, right? Like the artist, and then the other one's more of the business side and the marketing side. Because I think in a lot of situations, the ideal scenario is where you have those two different minds, those two different types of people. Yeah, I love that part of the story. Obviously, Ksenia, just amazing energy and charisma, and then. David just being the visionary that that makes it happen. I loved hearing the part where it's like this battle between artistic versus commercial, where Ksenia wants it to be just totally just, you know, authentic, artistic. And David's like, he's probably over there. I don't think he's like trying to make it like an infomercial, but he's like selling his service, you know, he's like, you gotta, you can't help these people if they don't purchase your product. But I loved hearing about that battle. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, there's probably there's probably better like piano teachers out there just better at that craft but but I, I would I would venture to say I'm probably better at, at the the selling and marketing side of things which is why piano in 21 days is so successful you've got to find that line and sometimes if you can't do it yourself you've got to find the right person and you know I love uh, I don't know if you've ever read like good to great by Jim Collins but one of the one of my biggest takeaways from that book is is he talks about how you want to get the right people on the bus even before you figure out where the bus is going. So sometimes it's a, it's not a matter of like, what am I going to do or how am I going to do it? It's more of a question of who. And in this case, I think the who's lined up just perfectly from obviously a relationship standpoint, but then from a business standpoint as well. That's why I asked the question to Ksenia, like, do you think this would even exist if you never met David? And, and so it was just a perfect who match in this case. Yeah, I was kind of curious just thinking about the husband-wife team. I believe your wife has a side hustle or, or like a business. My wife has two different ones. Like, to what extent are you are you assisting her in the way that David assists uh, or kind of like does a lot of the management of the program with Cassinia? Yeah, I... I... I'm certainly not involved in my wife's business near to the level of, say, David is with 
Xenia, but she's she's in a business that I don't know a lot about. She's she sells physical items, you know, paper stuff, stationery, you know, birthday invitations, wedding invitations, and she's she's amazing at it. She's just a true artist at it. By the way, if anybody needs any of that, wedding invitations, birthday invitations, stationery, anything paper products of any kind, lifeispaper.com. That's my wife is my wife's business. And I'm a little biased, but I think she does phenomenal work. But she's she's a true artist there. And she definitely needs help on the business side of things because she just wants to focus on her craft. And so I've certainly helped her like get her website up and running and with with some of the tech, you know, WordPress and getting like WooCommerce set up so that she can sell things and then getting, you know, she's got to think about things like sales tax, which is which is really a complicated thing when you're selling to not just a local audience. So helping her integrate a software called TaxJar to help with that. So I, I help her when she needs it, but I don't feel any sort of responsibility to help drive the business. Kind of like like David Duffy is kind of responsible overall for the marketing efforts and the sales efforts, it seems like, for for their business. Yeah, my wife, she has a company called Granola Face Skincare. Mm-hmm. And it's these natural skincare products, and I've, I've kind of encouraged her. I'm like, why don't you make videos? And she's just like, no, I don't think I want to do that. But lately, you know, we talk. I mean, we listen to. She listens to this podcast, and I'm like, you know, I don't want you to do something that's like outside of your comfort level. But my wife loves finding a blog where somebody does a review or provides value. I'm like, the the right type of marketing is the kind that you respond to. You know, she and I both respond to marketing where people provide value. And so I'm just like, you know, start making videos where you share valuable tips. You don't even have to talk a bunch about your product, but just build that trust. My wife is now starting a blog. So she's she wants to put that valuable content out there and just grow her business that way. Well, you, videos... You know, at the end of the day, they're not for everybody. You know, I I, I always encourage course creators to pick a platform that you can put content out there for free and stick with it. And and that advice would apply to more than just course creators. Typically, I recommend people start a YouTube channel or a podcast, but you know that neither one of those are going to be for everybody. And sometimes just the written word of a blog is going to be the right, is the right fit. I think there's a, there's a, there's a platform out there for everybody. You just got to find it. Maybe, maybe a blog is best for your wife in this case. And I'd rather see her start a blog than, than nothing. Mm -hmm. All right, man, any other takeaways from this conversation? Well, I was laughing out loud when they talked about their Facebook ads trial and how this like click farm, in Mexico, they had like thousands of people sign up and like take the free class and then nobody actually bought or purchased the actual paid course. I mean, I think there's a valuable lesson to be learned there is just like, you know, I think right now you're feeling like Facebook ads hasn't really worked for you. And, you know, they had this experience where they were like, that just didn't work. I mean, I think the big lesson is like anybody looking in from the outside would be would say, well, just because one try did not work doesn't mean it doesn't work. You just haven't found the formula yet. Yeah, and I think in my case, I just haven't ra- found that right who yet. Like, I, I'm not interested in mastering Facebook ads myself. I have way too much, too many other things to to worry about. And and so I just, you know, I think the right fit is out there for for running Facebook ads for me. And, and this is certainly not an invitation to, for for to. For everybody to start bombarding me that you can do my Facebook ads, <laughs> but you know, that, speaking of that, that Click Farm, I have a funny story. Years ago, when I was just getting started with Piano in Twenty One Days, and Facebook ads were like the new hot thing. You know, I tried it out myself, and and I wasn't you know targeting countries properly, and I was uh, I was I was running, I was planning on this live webinar. Live webinar were these was this hot thing as well. I mean, we're talking probably 2014, maybe 2015. And I started all of a sudden getting a ton of opt-ins for my webinar. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I was I was getting registrations for less than a dollar, just like constant, constant, constant. And I looked into it and every single one of them was coming from India, which I think you know, there was genuine interest there. But the reason I was getting those opt-ins for so cheaply is because of the you know exchange rate and and they they wouldn't most most people in India just simply wouldn't be able to f- actually afford my course. So I was paying for the those registrations when in reality and by the way my kids are home from school. So <laughs> if you hear a little bit of that in the background, we're just going to plow through it. They can be a little rowdy. My kids are two and four, but I was paying for that even though they were cheap. You know, none of them 
ever actually bought. bought. So that's one of my negative experiences with, with Facebook ads as well. Yeah, I, I actually have an idea for a Facebook ad for you if you want to hear it. I haven't shared this with you yet. Let's do it, man. All right. Let's do it. I mean, you shared, your, you shared your idea with me for a Super Bowl ad for Piano in 21 Days. I think, I think an idea for a Facebook ad is a little more possible for me at this point. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, so basically it would start out with just you at the piano and you'd play like this line of a song. And then it would pan out and there'd be four, you and three of your students playing the song. Like just that same line again, just some catchy line. And then it would pan out again and you'd have sixteen people all playing. And then it just and then it just jumps into like, you know, join the movement. You know, over two thousand people have learned to play piano in twenty one days. There's over four hundred five star reviews. And just, I mean, obviously I know that you don't want it to sound like you're teaching people just to do exactly what you do. So that's where you'd go in and be like, you know, the whole idea is that you can learn a song on your own with my five-step process. Obviously, then you're just trying to get people to a webinar. But I just thought that initial, that initial part might actually get people to like watch as it pans out and you see it go from one person to 16 people on the screen. So I thought that could be something that would just be eye-catching. That's very creative and, and dare I say brilliant, David. Thank you for that for that input. I might have to once I do crank up Facebook ads at some point, I'll have to consider that. But that I mean, I'm doing some YouTube ads that could work as a YouTube ad possibly as well. There you go. All right, David. Well, let's let's put a bow on this episode. That was a I thought a great conversation with Cassinia and David Duffy. A lot, of, a lot of great takeaways from it. So thank you, David Crozy, for joining me for this episode. And thank you, everyone out there, for listening to another episode of The Online Course Show. For all the notes and links from today's episode, you can find those at theonlinecourseguy.com slash 122. And don't forget to join our free Facebook community if you haven't already. It's called The Online Course Community. You can find it in one of two ways. You can go to theonlinecourseguy.com click on community at the top. Or let's say you're already on Facebook, you're browsing around, we'll hit the search bar and search for the online course community. It's totally free and actually go live on Facebook every Friday morning and answer your questions there totally for free. Also, I want to share this uh, with you. If you could do me a favor, and if you are in other groups on Facebook for course creation, and people are asking questions, and you can think of an episode that we've done here that can can help them answer that question pretty thoroughly. If you could share that podcast episode in those Facebook groups when people are asking questions, I've seen I've seen people podcast listeners do that here and there, and and I think it can really help people and share this message of how to succeed with online courses to to more and more people. So if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to share it with others, that could be a good way to do it. And if this is your very first time listening to this podcast, then I would invite you to, if you want to go to another podcast episode, go to episode 89. That's our online courses 101 episode. Thanks, everyone. We'll be back next week. (laughs) 